Welcome to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condrela. My name is Derek Lissy. Bishop, how are you doing today? I'm well, I'm well. We are uh, now into the season of Lent. Lent for me and for my family, Lent falls typically uh, brackets or, or the deaths of my parents bracket the season of Lent. My mother's anniversary is January 25th. My dad's is May the 12th, and they died nine years apart, if I remember right. And like so many people who would listen to us on this podcast, uh, who have experienced the deaths of loved ones and the Catholic funeral rites, there's such a comfort that comes mm. from the Catholic funeral rites. And part of what's comforting about it is the, the uh, regularity of it. In, the, in other words, the, the, uh, for Catholics, the ritual is familiar to us, the familiarity of it. I have done so many funerals and often have people at the funeral who are not Catholic who later comment how beautiful it was. Nice. Now, for them, it may be the first time that they're encountering it. But for Catholics, you, you sort of know what's coming and what to expect. There's a vigil the night before, typically. The body of the deceased is typically there. When we buried my parents in both, for both funerals, their bodies were there in the casket. Uh, and then the next day, the funeral mass... Catholics know what's coming at Mass, and so when you're in a kind of a, that state of grief, and sometimes it can even be a state of sort of shock, you know, if the death was very tragic, there can still be kind of traumatized. And sometimes the, the grieving family appear to be sort of in a trauma. And it's okay to be in that trauma because this liturgy will unfold itself by its own pace and according to its own uh, rules and in processes. And so uh, I think of all of that, and then I think of something that, that happened recently when I was asked to write a letter to try to forestall the application, the successful application in one of our local cities, of an aquamation center. Aquamation. Now that... That is a term that was somewhat new to me and is probably new to many people listening uh, to the podcast. Aquamation means water cremation. Well, does it mean cremation? It wouldn't mean that. Basically, what it means is uh, a process of melting the human body using chemical, some kind of a chemical bath. And then... What's left, this effluent, which is a term that we typically use with sewage, the effluent, uh, what's left of the body, now it's melted in this, and I don't know what all chemicals are involved, is then gotten rid of somehow. It's flushed somewhere or, or carted off to some kind yeah. of a, a, a uh, commercial disposal facility or something like that. Uh, there's another process that is now coming in vogue in, in other places that's called human composting. Well, the 
the term is descriptive of what it is. Human composting is the use of the same kinds of biological processes that we use to compost kitchen scraps for the garden, but using those processes to break down a human body. Uh, this gets a little bit complicated in that uh, there is a proper way to do this. The purpose is not to create human compost. The purpose is to bury the body, but sometimes the body is buried without embalming, and either simply in the grave by itself. I remember, for example, uh, seeing a Trappist funeral, Trappist monk's funeral, and the monk is simply placed in the bottom of the grave, a cloth over the face, dressed in his habit, not embalmed, and he's buried, not even in a casket. Hmm. Well, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. We heard that Ash Wednesday. Uh, his body will quickly be decomposed but his body is all there and it is all in one place and it is still all together and that is because we want to show respect for the human body uh, this human composting doesn't do that it's a process that turns the body into compost but then the compost is just spread out it's just spread around it's it's so whatever process they go through, they then spread it yeah. with some sort of, whether by hand or by machine or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, all of these things are important to remember when, you know, here we are in Lent and we're thinking about uh, what we started with on Ash Wednesday. Uh, remember that thou art dust, unto dust you will return. How important it is for us, our belief in the bodily resurrection the church uh, used to never allow cremation, for example. Now cremation has become relatively common. The church still prefers the, the burial of the body simply because it more perfectly accords with what we believe, the bodily resurrection. I saw my mother and my father put into their casket and into their grave in their body, and I believe that one day I will see them again. I don't know what the glorified body will look like, but uh, that's our faith. And that's why we have such a high respect for the dignity of the body, not just of the person when they're living, but of the human body after death. And so all of our funeral rites and all of our um, preparation processes for the funeral and the burial need to respect what we believe about the body. So the church allows cremation to the degree and if the cremation of the body will not result in the lowering of the person's understanding or respect for the dignity of the body or the, the what should we call the dispersing of their belief in the bodily resurrection. So... We have in our, in our um, ritual book for funerals, we have prayers now that are specifically designed for cremains, for the cremated remains, what we call the cremains. But even there, contrary to what is becoming a practice in many places, 
Even there, when the body has been cremated, it is placed, all of it is placed in an urn, and then the urn is buried. Uh, now, buried doesn't have to mean in the ground. There are such things as columbariums, places where there's little niches in a wall, and you can inter the body there, the cremains there. But the principle is still upheld because the body is one, because we believe yeah. that in bodily resurrection, all of the body is there. That contrasts with the practice of uh, receiving the cremated remains and then spreading them out somewhere. One hears all kinds of um, what are well meant. You know, it's not people right. being silly, but yeah. uh, but practices of, you know, taking cremated remains in a hot air balloon and dumping them out so they float away on the breeze or romantic things like dumping them in the river or... Boon picking stadium. Or something like that. Or even people... Uh, are being sometimes advised to make jewelry, to take some of those cremated remains and have them, mm -hmm. you know, encased in a piece of epoxy and wear it as jewelry. Those are things that, from our Catholic perspective, we would say don't fully respect the integrity of the body um, and of the bodily resurrection. So I'm going to have to write a letter now because I was not successful. We were not successful in trying to stop this facility from opening in a local town. Uh, so now there is going to be, and I think there already is offered in the area, aquamation. And, of course, any advertising associated with it will make it sound very positive and, and all of that. But it will be important for Catholics to understand this does not accord with our faith uh, to use a process like that. The same for uh, human composting. Uh, that does not accord mm. with our faith. Uh, in some places, there are what might be called green cemeteries or green burial plots. And if that refers to a place where you, the, the local regulations, whatever they be, allow burial of bodies in the ground without being embalmed, they might be buried in a uh, casket that itself is made of wood, for example, that will decompose, uh, or they might simply be buried in the ground. That's something that would accord with our Catholic beliefs and practices. But this idea of composting, turning the body into completely soil, and then spreading the soil out somewhere, that would not accord with, mm -hmm. with our Catholic beliefs and practices. So it's important for us to, to be aware of these things. All of us know that one day we will face our own death, so we can try to leave behind instructions for people to honor our Catholic faith. Uh, but all of us sometimes are called upon to make these preparations for others, like our parents or brothers or sisters and so forth. And so again, it's important that we, we understand what is a proper uh, Catholic uh, perspective on bodily resurrection and on the disposal of or the burial of uh, the body and that we honor those practices in our funerals. I think it's always harder too pastorally, like when we have a loved one who dies or um, Bishop, maybe you could speak to sort of our approach with relatives, friends, when they, you know, have a loved one who dies and maybe they died young or tragically and, um, 
you know, and sometimes it's hard to know what to say mm-hmm. because sometimes when we, you know, and sometimes we say things that might sound nice but aren't necessarily true to our beliefs mm-hmm. um, about where that person is or, or who they are now or what they've become, you know, and um, and what's going on with their body. So maybe you could speak to sort of pastoral approaches to conversations we have with those who are going through a hard time or have just lost a loved one. Well, if you put yourself in their shoes, so if you have gone through it yourself or if you imagine uh, what it would be like um, to lose a loved one, particularly under difficult or traumatic circumstances, if someone is with you, unless you've asked them a question and you're hoping they can give you some kind of a response, if someone is with you, you don't need them to solve this for you. Mm-hmm. You don't need them to make you feel better. You don't need them to save you from crying or any of those things. It's enough for you to be there with them, to be sympathetic with them, to be there with them. I'm here with you. I'm so sorry for your loss, these kinds of, of uh, sentiments. Uh, to be avoided is acting out of your own discomfort. Uh, you may also be feeling now discomfort at the fact that your friend or loved one is sad, is, is heartbroken, is grieving. If you act out of your own discomfort trying to calm yourself down, well, then you're sort of using them yeah. to deal with yourself. And say something like, oh, you know, Bishop David, you know, your mom's in heaven or something, or, you know, proclamation or something to yeah. in order to soothe when in reality I'm, I'm really stretching to say something that I don't necessarily understand. Right. And, you know, that might make you try to, in an effort to try to make you feel better or to soothe, you know, sometimes we. The the things we believe are that our future is full of hope. God is faithful to his promises. But it's not our place to say that someone is in heaven or not. We pray for the dead. Right. Uh, If someone loses a child, sometimes one reads or hears, the sentiment, you know, heaven gained another angel. If you're the parent who's lost that child, you probably don't want to hear something like that. You probably don't need or want to hear that. At the very least, we can say that I, as a person who's sitting with a parent who's lost a child, I don't know what they want to hear or not. Right. So I shouldn't suggest such things. Theologically, it's not... It's not... um, true. It's not logical. We are human beings. We're not angels. We will never be angels. We use angel as a moral category. Tommy is a little angel, meaning (laughs) Tommy doesn't give me a lot of grief. But an angel is also an actual being, and an angel is a different being than a human. A human is a bodily being. An angel is a pure spirit. Uh, So, we never become angels in heaven. We always are people in heaven. We always are who we are, human persons. It's well meant, you know, the person who might be drawn to say something means well, and they they desire to help the person, but sometimes it doesn't help. It just doesn't help. So it can be much better to simply express your sympathy, your uh, union with them in prayer if they need anything, and uh, let it go at that. Those things, uh, 
those are also things that are taken care of in a Catholic funeral liturgy because the prayers themselves are all already designed for this, for the funeral. And we even have a section of prayers for extraordinary circumstances in the funeral rites book for the death of a child or the death of a uh, person after a long illness or all kinds of circumstances. And those prayers have been written so that they accurately reflect our theology, but also in a sympathetic and and, uh, helpful way. And that's part of what comforts people, is hearing scriptures that were chosen with the view of Catholic understanding of death and uh, eternal life in mind, um, and with prayers that are written for the purpose uh, the incensing of the coffin, the singing of the Dies Irae, those are all uh, traditional elements of Catholic funerals that really put us at peace. Sometimes my experience growing up was, generally speaking, I didn't go to a lot of uh, funerals of, of random members of the community. I mean, maybe that's more common than not, but you know, we would go to, like, if we knew the family mm-hmm. or if my parents knew the family or if it was actually a family member, a relative, I remember my first real experience with funerals and death was a tragic death of a child. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a f- close family friend. The child was maybe barely more than a year old. It was very sad, you know. Um, and uh, I remember that was the moment of this reality of death. But it was it was almost really it was it was very dramatic because it, I knew the family well. It was sure. very intense. But as I've aged, I've gone to more priest funerals mm-hmm. that I didn't really know, mm-hmm. and gone to more community members' funerals that I didn't know. Um, and I've almost enjoyed sort of the refresher on sort of like church teaching around death and. Mm-hmm. Um, reflecting on my own death and taking time. In some ways, it's it's um, it's great to go to those things. I always wonder if years ago, if more of us did attend more just general community members. Oh, here's you know Bob Smith. I, I never met the guy, but he goes to my church and I'm at his funeral because it's just what the community's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about you know reading the bishop's diary. You know, a hundred years ago in Oklahoma, and people just show up when the bishop came, whether they're Catholic or not, because they're like. Something's happening and, you know, Okima, not a lot going on, you know, or whatever. And so right. um, going back to it, you know, I, I think that uh, the catechism is a great resource um, and a good, it's good to go back to that and refresh ourselves to mm-hmm. attend maybe some of these other funerals and things like that to sure. sort of have a greater encounter with the reality that, yeah, we are going to die. And, and to keep in mind that uh, we have a Catholic cemetery, Calvary Cemetery. Yeah. They put the fun in funeral. I think that's what they say over there. Oh, no, do they? <laughs> we have a Catholic, Catholic cemetery, and so a person can be buried surrounded by their faith, so to speak. You yeah. know? Now, uh, this, this also uh, points to the importance yeah. of making plans ahead. Mm. Uh, so... You know, I know so many people who, uh, and my parents included, who helped their children by writing out what they wanted at their at their death, and to write it out according to your faith. In other words, to to make sure that what you're asking uh, of the children is uh, in accord with the Catholic faith. 
But then, for example, songs, you know, how do you pick which songs? How do you pick which scriptures? Well, if they've written all that out for you, then it's very easy because at the time of death, that's a hard time already. And then if if there's things you don't have to uh, decide or work through because someone wrote them all out for you, then that makes it easier. It can seem macabre except that we believe this. In other words, we... We know that we will not live forever and that death for us is a birth into new life. I used to always uh, talk about or often talk about in a funeral homily the image of a person who's uh, getting on a boat at a dock, a lot of people standing behind them waving goodbye. And there's lots of tears and sadness because they're leaving. But across the water, whatever the water is that they're sailing over, is another dock with a whole bunch of people uh, with smiles and joy and waiting to receive them. And so that for me is an image of our death, is that we're, we're moving over the waters because of the, the uh, sacrifice of our Lord. We're moving over the waters to be with those people who have gone before us. Mm-hmm. And so that can be a great comfort. When we're planning our own funeral, that can be a great comfort, knowing that that's what we're planning. That's what this is about. Thank you all for joining us this week. This has been Tulsa Time with Bishop Condorla. I'm your host, Derek Lissy, and we hope you all have a good rest of your week.